Amen. Thank you. Amen. It's good to see everybody. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We're finally here. The Dream Series. I know, right? Finally. <laughs> Lord, I'm excited as well. It has. It's been a long time since I, since I taught on the Dream Series. It seems, actually it seemed like not because <laughs> every time I look up, I'm interpreting something. <laughs> Amen. I still got a list to do. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's get started. Because indeed, we just got not too much to go through, but I want to get you guys out here on time as well. I don't want to be here too long. I know, right? It's getting cold, too. <laughs> All right. All right. Can you turn the music down just a little, little bit? Thank you. I still want it on, though, but just down some. All right. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. As we come here, Father, we thank you, Father. I empty myself out, Father so that you can speak through me, Lord God. Uh, thank you, Father, for this dream series, Lord God, that will help the body of Christ, Lord God, whether it be here, Father, or wherever, Lord God, that as they listen, Father, to the dream series, I thank you, Lord God, that their dreams will begin to activate. They will begin to have an understanding, Father, of that you are trying to speak to them, Father. So we thank you, Father, for the many dreams that will come out of this and the many visions that will come out of this, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Boy, I was going to say something, but I'm not. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> Amen. So tonight we are going over dreams and visions one-on-one. Now, I told you before that we're setting this up as like a university format because every single lesson that I do is highly important because it leads up to interpretations. And even though tonight is going to seem very basic, it's the most important because tonight we're adjusting your lenses and you won't be able to interpret correctly if your lenses are not adjusted. So I didn't say nothing, Siri. <laughs> so let's begin by, I'm going to say a couple things before we just dive into scripture. Dreams have always been a controversial topic. But it's only controversial um, to those that don't understand the languages of the Father. And that's why we began the series of the languages of the Father, because there's certain foundations that we have to lay before um, we build upon anything else. And so I had to go through the languages of the Father so that you, you're, you will have the ability to hear your Father. So when we dig into the interpretation part, that that would not be a struggle for you. So we talk about those that have the gift of whatever. And the Bible does talk about the gift of interpretation. So we do have people in the body of Christ that have the gift to interpretate dreams. Now, I do possess the gift to interpretate dreams, but I always believe that those that possess the gift are those who can help other people to learn how to actually tap into the gift. Because there's those that have the gift and there's those that can tap into the gift. So it's all of the same spirit. All the gifts come from the same spirit. So even though you may not have the gift, just like if it was prophecy, you still prophesy. Because it's from the same spirit. So tonight we will begin the, the dreams and uh, visions and interpretation series. And we will, begin, we will begin with none other than Job. 33, 14 through 18. Now remember, this dreams and vision series that we are doing today is dealing with the foundation of your sight, 
adjusting your lenses. So dealing with Job 33, 14 through 18, we'll read that for it says, for God speaks once, yea, twice, yet man perceive it not. So it doesn't even come to his, his com- it doesn't even come to his conscious mind. What, whatever he's saying in the dream, there's no understanding behind it. It says in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men and slumbering upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Now, I know a, a lot of people, when they begin this, they begin to talk about the fact that, you know, when um, the fact that when you have a dream and, and you're sleeping and all the things that it does, he seals the instructions. But really, what I want to magnify tonight in regards to this scripture is verse 16. And it says, then he opens the ears of men. Now, it doesn't, ver- it doesn't seem very significant, but you have to really look deep into what that is saying. So what he's saying is that through a dream, right, because you're asleep, through a dream, the Father uses your eyes to open up your ears. He uses your eyesight in order to open up your ears. Because a lot of times we are busy, we going about our daily basis, we doing things according to our will, our purposes, and so it's hard for him to speak to us when we're too busy. So a lot of times he begins to speak to us when we are, as we say, asleep, but we're really not asleep. The body is asleep, the body has lied down, the mind is resting, but the mind now becomes a canvas. And the spirit, as we know, is always woke. So if you cannot hear the voice of God, whether it be in the daytime, he catches you at night. And he opens up your ability to hear through your very eyesight, the picture and canvas of your mind. So one thing that I want to and we'll go through this a little bit later for you to see this, is that every child of God has four eyes and four ears, okay? You have four eyes and you have four ears. You are given one set when you are born naturally, and you are given another set when you're born again. So you have four eyes and you have four ears, So through prophetic dreaming, the Father can communicate directly to you that perhaps you would not be able to hear in the daytime because you're too, as I said, distracted. So this is the idea behind dreams and visions. Communication through symbols, communication through colors, communication through past events. So think about it. If the father wants to speak to you during the day, as I said before, then why wouldn't he want to speak to you at night? He doesn't sleep, okay? He doesn't sleep (laughs) at night, neither does your spirit sleep at night. So let's look at Psalms 12 and 13. Did I say Psalms 12 and 13? I believe that's a typo. It's supposed to say Psalms 121. So write that down. Psalms 121, 3 through 4. And it says, he will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed. He who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. Now, the thing about, I was looking at this, it says he never slumbers or sleeps. Now, God doesn't waste words. So we got slumber and we have sleep. And you would think that would mean the same thing, but it doesn't. When you slumber, it's like you take a little cat nap. When you doze off, 
you wake up maybe five, ten minutes later, that's slumbering. Sleep is when you really get some sleep, rest, five, ten, <laughs> ten hours. So he's it's saying that he doesn't shut his eyes not for one time, not once. Does he get tired? Not once does he want to take a nap. Not once does he take his eyes off of you. So our spirit, as I said, is awake all night. And, be, and the reason why it's, it's always awake because it's always longing to have a communication with the Father. Always, whether we're woke or whether we're asleep. It's always longing to communicate with the Father because he's the one who made us. So I want to go to the Song of Solomon, which is not often we go to. And in this, is, 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 it's like a, it's a type and shadow in this. Now, it, it talks literally in here about a lover, but it's really speaking about the father in regards to dreams. And it says, and that's the Song of Solomon 5 and 2. It says, I slept, but my heart was awake. When I heard my lover knocking and calling, open to me my treasures, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew. My hair with the dampness of the night. And the kind of the basic bottom line of the scripture is that the father, the scripture says that he's always knocking. He's always knocking on the doors, the door of our heart. And here it, it shows that he said his head is drenched with dew and his hair with the dampness of night, basically telling you almost the situation like the woman at the well. He's always wanting to fill you with something. So in seasons where we may feel that the father is silent or we feel as if we are in place where, where, places where it's hard to hear him because there sometimes might be various strongholds in our life, but he still has us covered even in those situations because he can do what? Infiltrate our thoughts to give us a dream, even with the strongest of strongholds. So we're going to go over some reasons why you may have trouble hearing or seeing his voice, okay? The first thing is that we don't accept the Rima or the Logos word as the only authority in our life, and we allow other things to come in and take its place. The next thing is that we don't diligently listen to and obey his voice. The other thing is that we don't accept what the Father's voice is saying. A lot of times we disregard it because we have no understanding. And the last thing is that we fail to transform our mind by the renewing of the word, which is a very important thing to do because without the transforming of the renewing of the mind with the word, you have no basis or no bottom line for dreams because every dream that you have has a scriptural connotation attached to it. So you have, you're going to be, you're going to have to dive into the word. And when I say that, I mean like on a, on a daily basis, just put some word in you. Because the thing about interpretations, when we get to that part, like the Bible says, that the Holy Spirit will bring back to you. So you, as you're having dreams, the Holy Spirit will say, okay, that's where this came from. This is where that scripture, even if you can't get the whole scripture and where it is, you can have, you know, parts of it and you can look it up. Because you've exposed yourself to it. Now, we're going to look at some scriptures to back up what I just said. Because remember, I won't tell you nothing unless I have some scriptures to back it up. <laughs> so you know that this is not coming from me, not from my own wisdom, not my low level of wisdom. This is coming straight from the word. So we're going to go through one, two, three, four, five. We're going to go through five. Now, we're not going to go through these in terms of diving deep into it. What I'm trying to get you to see is how the word is the final authority. When we're talking about dreams and visions, it's going to be your base, okay? So, Matthew 28 and 18 is our first one. And it says, 
And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All, not some. It's not like, you know, Satan and his demons got a little bit of it. No. All authority. The next one is Romans 13, 1 and 2. Keeping in mind, we're talking about the authority of the word is going to be the basis for your dream. It says, every person must submit to and support the authorities over him. For there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment. Which means that every authority that exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, which results in severe consequences. So that's a lot of times, like, for instance, I don't get into um, a lot of times political debates because I know that whomever who's in authority is according to his will. It don't matter who it is. I don't care if it's the worst dictator ever, God's going to use that in order to showcase who he is. We're going to go to Acts 1 and 7. And it says, he answered, the father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. So once again, it is according to his authority. His word is his authority. Matthew 9, 6 through 8. And it says, but now, to convince you that the Son of Man has been given authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk home. Immediately, the man sprang to his feet and left for home. When the crowds witnessed this miracle, they were awestruck. They shouted praises to God because he had, he had given such authority to human beings. Now, they were amazed. Now, they seen him as a human being because he was Jesus. But he was totally supernatural, even though he set down his power. And the last one in this is Psalms 119 and 89. And it says, standing firm in the heavens and fastened to eternity is the word of God. Your faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. All that you created sits firmly in place to testify of you. By your decree, everything stands at attention. For all that you have made serves you. Now, that particular scripture is, is we'll get more into that as we go along, but just to kind of bring this point out is that this is the, the probably the, the biggest thing probably I can ever say in this dream series is coming straight out of that. And that the thing is that everything was made for him. And that's the basic and bottom line that you go through as far as when you begin to interpretate dreams. Because the first thing that you do is you think, what was the original intentions? What was the original plans that the father made this thing? Because he made it and it was made through him. Which means that its purpose came from him. And that's how you're actually able to interpret the symbols that you've seen because it's in this realm. And so you think about what is the original purpose of this particular thing, and you translate that thing over spiritually. So sadly enough, people equate communication with the Father as a supernatural encounter. We say it all the time. Every time that we have an encounter with the Father, it's, it's like it's a supernatural encounter. And... I want to say that that's totally incorrect. It's not a supernatural encounter. 
Because when we're saying it's supernatural, it's something, we're saying that it's something that naturally doesn't happen. It's something that we naturally are not, are not supposed to be experiencing. But that is far from the truth. Because, and this is why I say this, and I'm going to show you in scripture what I mean. When we have a supernatural encounter, it is your birthright to have an encounter. What we say is an encounter. It is part of your birthright as children. So because encounters like dreams and visions do not compete with the word, okay, they complete it. Your dreams and your visions do not compete with the word of God. They complete it. So let's look at the very fact that the ability to see is your birthright. It is not a supernatural encounter. And we'll see that in Genesis. Genesis 3, 5 through 7. And it says, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves waist coverings. Now remember, I told you, every believer has four ears and four eyes, two at birth, two at the born-again experience. So this is the actual reverse of that. So it says that in verse 7, it says their, their eyes, both of them were open. So their eyes were already open to spiritual things because they did not even know that they were naked. So their eyes was already open to spiritual things. It was part of their birthright to be able to see in the spirit. But when they ate, their eyes, their, their spiritual eyes closed. And their natural eyes open. And on our end, it's the opposite. Our natural eyes close when we come into the family of God and our spiritual eyes are supposed to open. So it is a part of our birthright because Adam, not only did he lose the relationship, but he lost his ability to see in the spirit. So you also gain that back. So, as children of God, you should be able to hear from your father with your ears during the day and hearing your father's voice with your eyes at night. But I will say this, and we'll go over these things. There are some things that hinder our ability to dream to understand them, and to interpret them. So we'll get into those things right now. Some things that prevent you from understanding your dreams and interpreting them. So the first thing that I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about limit things that limit your ability to do this. So when it comes to dreams and visions and interpreting them, there are several factors that I limit our ability to have, understand, and interpret dreams that we must be aware of because if we're not aware of these things, we'll go in error when we begin to interpret. So the first thing is your preconceived notions. Now what your preconceived notions are are your opinions, your opinions that are formed beforehand. You, you have opinions about things that are formed beforehand without adequate evidence of it. They block our ability to have free thoughts and we become poor listeners and thinkers in the process without the ability to critically think. Now, what critical thinking is is this. Critical thinking is not you searching out a matter to in order to agree what you believe it is. That's not critical thinking. Critical thinking is searching for the truth of something, no matter if you're wrong or not. 
you are searching for the truth of the matter. The second thing is your cultural habits and your practices. Now, what is truth to us through our lenses, through our norms, through our values, through our customs, how we grew up, not all cultural groups make sense of dreams the same way. So you have to understand that this could be a limited factor on you and how you interpret your dreams, how you were raised, the culture you was raised in. For instance, how the science community interpret dreams. It's totally different than how believers interpret dreams. How African-American community interpret dreams. It's totally different than how Native Americans interpret dreams. For instance, Native Americans, when they interpret dreams, they often use um, animals and ancestral spirits. They also, they also use um, what, we, what they call um, dream catchers. If everybody's familiar with dream catchers, and, but that's something that they traditionally are, you know, that they use. And pretty much what dream catchers are, they use to protect people as they sleep, predominantly children. And what it does, what they claim it does, that it, it, it catches all of the nightmares and the bad dreams and it filters all of them out so that only the children can get or adults can get good dreams. So uh, I'm, I'm bringing that out because your cultural habits and your practices can limit your ability to interpret dreams. The next thing is your ethnicity, your race, racial roots which is what, a division or a group of people that you grew up with, depending on your ancestry, their characteristics in society, what you were born with, all of that limits your ability to interpret dreams. And the last thing is prejudice. Your prejudices, the conditioning of your thoughts about a thing reinforces a conditioned feeling. And then that conditioned feeling enforces a conditioned reaction and a conditioned behavior. So all the things that you like, what you don't like, all of that, it conditions you all the way up until your behaviors, your actions, your feelings, your emotions, all of it. So all of these limiting dreams factors affect how serious we take dreams and how well we interpret dreams. But none of these things, and I will repeat, none of these things should have a say in how we interpret our dreams, none of it. Furthermore, because of these things and more, the body of Christ has struggled tremendously with dreams, visions, and interpretation of dreams. And a lot of bodies of Christ don't even, don't even touch it. They don't even touch it at all. Now, what I will say is this. What the father will do, he will use these things that I talked about, your prejudices and your cultural habits and all. He'll use those things, but not in the form of a way for you to interpret things, but he'll use them in your dreams as, an, as a way to invoke an understanding of a dream. Because if you're familiar with something particular in a cultural norm and he uses that in a dream it makes it makes you know it makes it totally different a different meaning to you than it does to me and even if we didn't look at it from a cultural perspective for instance we looked at it from the most simplistic say for instance I hate dogs and you love dogs and I have a dog in my dream now, the whole the feelings and emotions that is attached to that is a totally different feeling and emotion that's attached to you because you love dogs. So that's what I'm saying, that he'll use it to invoke an understanding. But it's not supposed to be these cultural habits and traditions and prejudices not supposed to be used to interpret. Amen? So we'll continue. Acts 2 and, two and 17. Now, this is another one that's often used in the dream and vision series that people do. And Peter quoted Joel's words and proclaimed in Acts 2 and 17. It says that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions 
and you old men will dream dreams. Now, if we look at this, we would see that because of the outpouring of the Spirit, one of the byproducts of that is that sons and daughters will prophesy and young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. This is a byproduct of it. Okay, so because the Spirit is poured out, this, once again, part of your birthright. There's some things that you have that's part of your birthright that you automatically receive when you come into the family of God. There's things that you have to mature in that you have to receive in regards to your inheritance, but there's some things that's released to you in regards to your inheritance when you come in. So some things you have to wait for, some things are immediately released to you. These, this is one of them that's immediately released to you, your ability to prophesy, your ability to dream dreams and see visions. That's automatic. But a lot of times... It's not there as people claim it's not there because it's not being taught. And because it's not being taught, it's not being activated in you. But it's there. So let's look at, let's see. Okay. Let me not go too fast. Okay, so even as the Spirit leads... So we're saying, okay, the Holy Spirit is, is leading us and is guiding us into all truth. And, you know, as the Holy Spirit is given, we're given the ability to prophesy, to have visions, to have dreams. But there is another side to this, okay? And the other side to this is that we as the people of God coming into the family of God, we have to intentionally on purpose when we talk about dreams we have to think spiritual first then natural and I know it's hard because when a dream comes it totally just messes up our whole thought process so let's look at an example of this spiritual first then natural an example of this is John 3 2 through 4 And it says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, explained it exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, Jesus here is speaking spiritually, and Nicodemus is thinking naturally. That is exactly what happens when the Father speaks to us in dreams and visions. He gives us a spiritual truth or an instruction, and we are left thinking, what was that all about? He speaks spiritually, and we tend to think naturally. So this is how this looks. We have a dream of going through a stop sign, getting into an automobile accident, and we become fearful in regards to driving when he is telling us spiritually that you are in spiritual danger of your ministry wrecking itself because you're moving ahead of the Father, hence the car going through the stop sign. This is how it looks as far as visions is concerned. We have a vision of the church full of teenagers in a university setting, and we think that the Father wants us to begin evangelizing universities on campus. <laughs> That's where we start thinking. But he is trying to give you a spiritual truth and give you a glimpse of the maturity level of your church in regards to their spiritual growth and the level of the word that is coming forth. So now we will end here with the concept that we will begin with, with the next lesson. And that is the foundation of every dream is Christ. The foundation of every dream is Christ.
And we're going to go to John 1, 1 through 3. And it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. Not even one thing that you can think about. So... Who was there in the beginning with God? The Son. The scripture ends with the idea of that without the Son, which is Christ, nothing was made unless it was made through him. All things were created through him, and all things were created for him. And if all things were created through him, and all things made for him, then that's why in your dreams, he uses these different symbols and these colors and these numbers because he made all of those things. So he's using those things because he made them. And not only did he make them, it said it was created for him. So why wouldn't he use it as a language? Colossians 1, 15 through 18, going along the same lines that the foundation of every dream and every vision is Christ. Verse 15 says, he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the sun, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority. It was all created through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. Meaning everything has, if everything came through him, everything finds its purpose in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn era in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. So Paul teaches us that Christ created all that is. Nothing, and I do mean nothing, in the universe exists for his own sake. Everything from the bottom of the ocean to the top of the mountain, from the smallest particle to the biggest star, from the most boring school subject to the most fascinating science, from the ugliest cockroach <laughs> to the most beautiful human, from the greatest saint to the most wicked genocide dictator. Everything that exists to make the greatness of Christ more fully known, including us, even the person you have the hardest time liking, made through Christ. And the reason why I'm bringing this out to you is that <laughs> everything that exists. We think about, for instance, the story of Pharaoh and Moses. And we see how harsh Pharaoh was on the people. How harsh he was on the people. The things that he would have them to do. How harsh he was. But the father said, that's okay because I'm the one who has the ability to turn his heart the way I choose to. So there is not, it's not to say, okay, that Pharaoh, he's this big dictator and he's oppressing the people and God can't do nothing about it. No, he knows. <laughs> he knows the whole situation that's going on. It's part of his plan. It's part of his purpose. And the crazy thing about all of that is that even after doing all of that, you would think that the people coming out of bondage like that, 
you would think they would go straight into the promised land. But literally, he kills off 40 generations. That's crazy in itself. 40 generations because of a mindset. That mindset could not enter into what he had for them. And it's just, it's, to me, it's just, it's, it's such a crazy thought. But the crazy part about it, when we even think about the, the story of Moses and Pharaoh, we, we always have questions in our mind like, okay, well, who, you know, who was the whole thing for? Was it, was it to help Moses have faith in God? Or was it because, you know, Pharaoh needed to see that God was God. So people a lot of times don't understand like, okay, the Bible says that, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, which means that if he wouldn't have hardened his heart, he would have let the people go. But he on, on purpose, he intentionally turned his heart so he would not let the people go. And a lot of people question that, but I don't question that because I see what he was doing. It was two things going on at one time. He was trying to get Moses to see that, have faith in me. If I said and sent you to do something, have faith that I'm going to bring you through this no matter what. Then he was trying to give Moses, uh, I mean Pharaoh, a test in this as well. But he had to turn his heart in order for Pharaoh to see that God is God, because without him turning his heart, he never would have seen that. He never would have seen that God was God, because you got to remember, he was worshiping pagan gods. That was his thing. So he was doing two things at one time. So let's look at some examples. I have some examples up here. So when we, when I remember when I said when we talk about interpreting dreams and we talk about understanding our dreams is that we have to first think spiritual than natural. We have to look at what is the original intent and the original purpose behind something. For instance, when we think about a chair and a chair is in our dreams, automatically when we're thinking about a chair, we think what? Authority. We think about something that's finished because when we sit down, we're kind of saying that I've completed my work, I'm done. We think about rest. We also think about judgment in regards to, you know, the different scriptures that talk about the chair, the different seats that gods have of judgment. We also think about position when we think about chair. We also think about honor. And we think about doing business because a lot of times in dreams that we'll, we'll have chairs um, like around and, and it'll be around like a round table and we'll be sitting and communing with people. And so that also can mean doing business, that we'll be doing business with people or not to do business with a particular person. So we think about, for instance, what is the original intent of something? We see in something in this realm, but what is the original intent of it in which God made it? Next is a door. For all the scriptures, it talks about Christ being the door. All the scriptures, it talks about, you know, thinking about opportunities. When, it, when you um, have a door in your dream, it also can um, be talking about, you know, maybe shutting your mouth because you might be gossiping too much. You know, it may be talking about an interest of something, depending on the context of the dream as the father trying to enter into your heart. It may be talking about faith, that you need to step through the door of something and, and have faith in him. It may be talking about um, going through a transition if you're walking through a door. But it all, the, it's like, well, how could I tell if which one it is? That's why we need the whole context of the dream. And a lot of times I tell people, write your dreams. If you wake up and you had, and it's fresh on your mind, write it down then because if you don't, you're going to have frag fragments of it. And you won't be able to interpret the dream like you need to because you need every detail is important. Next is, for instance, wills. Wills can mean Holy Spirit. Wills can mean spirit. It can mean progress. It can mean movable. It can mean that you're repeating something, and it can mean transport. When we talk about the right hand, it can mean strength. Like, for instance, somebody shot you in your right hand. <laughs> you know, it can mean strength, faith, spirit, blessed. 
or uh, righteous direction. It means wisdom. It can mean mouth. Now, actually, this was kind of funny. Let me go into left hand, and I'll tell you what that is. Left hand means, can mean heart. It can mean weakness. It can mean flesh. It can mean unbelief. It can mean curse. Now, you know the scripture says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, if we took this into account, what I just told you with the left and the right hand, what would you choose as far as what does that mean spiritually? And what I just gave you, what would you say, how to like, literally like interpret what that means? What would you pull out of these as far as the left hand and the right hand? Anybody want to try? Almost. You you get you you going in that direction. When the Bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What's the context of the scripture when it when it when it, when it's talking about that? What is it literally talking about? It talks about giving. So in context to this, what is it saying? Yes. Yes. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't let the blessings of God come out of your mouth. You see how I just I pulled that out of there in the context of the scripture? Don't let the blessings of God, or also don't let what's in your heart come out of your mouth, depending on the context of the dream. So context of dreams are very important. For instance, also alligator can mean devourer, depending on the context of the dream. It can mean a demon spirit, the devil, death, religious hypocrite, one with biting remarks. When we think about dog, we think about unbeliever, fool, an attitude that rejects God's authority, a symbol for the world. If we're in a hotel, which um, me and my husband was in a, a dream in which we were at a, a hotel and we were just we were packing, and as we were packing, um, these like lawyers was after us in the dream, and it was after us, and then. Um, it's, it's a long dream, but they was after us, and we went in this room, and they were talking, and they didn't like what we were saying, and then we had to try to escape, and it, it was a, when I tell you it was a long dream, it was a long dream, but the Father was telling us the place, the ministry that we were in was a temporary place, and we were getting ready to leave. That was the bottom line of that dream. So hotel can mean a temporary place, passing through, a place to pause on the way, a place of rest. When it talks about, you know, a cup in your dream, it might mean a person as a human vessel, a heart, blessings, covenant, resurrected life, God's wrath or his judgment. For instance, I knew a person, um, and she was telling me her dream, and she told me in the dream she was at this bar, and there was a bartender there, and she said she went up to get a drink from the bar, and the, the lady told her, well, you got to pay for the drink before I give it to you. And she said in the dream, she didn't want to pay for the drink. She wanted to see what was in the cup before she actually gave the woman the money. And she said she, she never got to see what's in the cup because the woman said, no, that's not how it works. You give the money, and I'll allow you to see what's in the cup. And she walked away. And she asked me, you know, what was the interpretation in that dream? Now, I will say this as a disclaimer. <laughs> there are times where I do not want to interpret a dream, especially when I know what it means, and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt, but I'm, 
which Pastor Kirby knows all too well when I have tried to dress up an interpretation so I won't hurt somebody, I immediately feel the Father say, don't you do that. You say it just like I told you to say it. And in that particular situation, I didn't want to tell her what that dream meant. Because bathe the bottom line, because I said, well, what was the ending of that dream? She said, well, in the dream, I just walked away because I wanted to see what was in the cup. And I was like, oh, boy, okay. <laughs> so the bottom line of that interpretation was, <sighs> the scriptural reference was, remember when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. And he said, you know, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And... The Holy Spirit began to give me the interpretation, and it was the fact that she wanted to see what was in the cup, but the woman was trying to tell her that whatever's in this cup, there's a price to pay for it, but it's yours. Whatever's in this cup is yours, but there's a price that you have to pay for it. You can't just have it. You want the life, but you don't want to pay the price. And I told her, you walked away. I said, but it does, it's not like that in God. He doesn't give you the whole plan. And you're like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He gives you glimpses of it. You pay the price for some things, he gives you a glimpse. You pay the price in prayer, he gives you a glimpse. You pay the price for maturity and growth, he gives you a glimpse. You pay the price in prayer and endurance and long-suffering, he gives you a glimpse. But she didn't want it. And so she sorrowfully walked away. So I said that because there'll be times where, and, and I know it's been several instances, you know, that the father give you dreams about yourself. And, and a lot of times you have to, you have to swallow the good dreams with also the corrective ones. You can't be turning corrective dreams into prosperity ones. That's, <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what he's saying. If you have a dream that there was, there's, there's an apple in the freezer, that means you got a heart issue. Your heart has grown cold. That's not to say, oh, the Lord getting ready to bless me with the fruits of the Spirit. No, 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 sister. <laughs> you need to work on your heart because it's grown cold. And the last one is bugs. Bugs in a dream can mean annoyance and also can mean religious spirits. Because, you know, bugs can be extremely annoying. And when you come into contact with that old religious, legalistic spirit, it's the most annoying thing ever. <laughs> so also, of all the millions of things, uh, I want to bring this out. Of all the millions of things, because we did look at Colossians 2 and 15. I believe that was our, did we look at Colossians 2 and 15 earlier? Okay, I know we did. Now, of all the things, million things that Paul could have mentioned that Christ made and that exists for his glory, he chose to mention thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. In verse 16, he said he made them. They didn't make themselves. You remember, they fell from heaven. Okay? He made them. He, and even though they, they have become demonic, he still made them and he still uses them. So all the things he mentions, thrones, dominions, rulers, authority, even these were created for him. But as believers, we know that these things, we have, well, we have to know that these things have been disarmed as believers. And a lot of time, I think that goes away from our mentality when we start um, having these attacks, whether they be mental attacks or physical attacks, you as a believer have to know these things have been disarmed. Colossians 2 and 15 says, then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon. That's why it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
because every weapon in their arsenal as a believer has been stripped from them. And it says, and all their spiritual authority. So every authority that they think they have in the spirit has been stripped from them and the power to accuse us, all of it has been done away. When you come into the family of God, there's no weapon that could be formed against you. They don't have spiritual authority over you because you're seated in heavenly places high above these things. And their power to accuse you has been disarmed because the blood now applies to you. He can't accuse you of anything if the father don't remember it. So there's rulers, there's dominions, there's powers of darkness. They seek what they do to, for you to agree with them. You give your power over to them. They don't have power, but you give your power over. You have the power in you, but they can't actually obtain the power because their power's been disarmed if you're in Christ. So what they try to do is get you to agree with what they're saying so that you can give up your power. And the whole basis behind that is that they want you to give up your inheritance so you can receive their inheritance, which is death. So to begin to understand dreams, visions, and interpretation of dreams, we must have the right sight, the right foundation, and the right source to begin to search a matter out. So that's what actually we will end with. We will end with the scripture Proverbs 25 and 2. And we're going to look at two versions of this. Proverbs 25 and 2, we're going to look at the NASB version, and we're going to also look at the TPT version because both of the versions are saying the same thing, but they're bringing out different points that I need you to see. Now, the NASB version said, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Then the TPT version says, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings, meaning us, because it's lowercase, is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. Now, that word matter is the Hebrew word debar, which is translated to word the actual word. So when it talks about you searching out a matter, you're actually searching out what the word of God says about it. You're looking at the word. You're, you're looking, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to give you the revelation behind your dreams, behind your vision. And that is where we will end the first lesson of the dream series with, with Christ being our foundation, the word being your authority, the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you into all truth, and you searching out the matter like a child to see what the Father is trying to tell you. Amen? Amen. So we are actually done, but I want to go through, <laughs> I want to go through actually what we'll be talking about to come. Our next um, things that we'll be talking about is uh, dreams and visions 102, types of dreams and visions, because there are several types of dreams and visions. We'll also be looking, so with the, with the types of dreams and visions, we may have like a part one, two, and three. To be, that's how many types of dreams there are. So that's the next one we'll be looking at, different types of dreams um, and visions. Um, dreams and visions 103, common dreams and visions that people have. We'll be looking at dreams and visions 104, the science behind dreams. Dreams and visions 105, before you interpret, consider this first. And dreams and visions 106, interpreting dreams and visions. So to kind of give you a little, like, un, um, kind of example of like our next one is when we're going into, um, I won't go into the teaching, but just list off some of the things as far as types are concerned. Now, 
as I was studying, I came across about 40 different types, which is probably several different more, but I came across 40 different types of dreams. Um, and some of them, um, of course, number one, include prophetic dreams. Um, the other one are uh, that I, I was looking up, um, state of the union dreams, there's conditional dreams, directional dreams, healing dreams, um, destiny dreams, intercession dreams, um, there are, what else, deliverance dreams, reoccurring dreams that keep, you know, keep dreaming about over and over again. Um, there's literal dreams um, and, and um, symbolic dreams. There's um, innovative dreams, problem-solving dreams, spiritual warfare dreams. So there's several different types. So we're going to go over the different types of dreams in the next ones. And there's not a lot of different visions um, as far as like types of visions, but the, the visions that the types of visions we'll be looking at are open visions, trances, inner visions, night visions, and false visions when we go into that. So that is what is to come. All right. Number one down. Number one down. Any comments, any questions?